Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. All right, this is going to be fun. I'm here with a fellow marketing-minded European startup guy. Pretty awesome. He heads up brand Encoms for one of the hot new players in the employee engagement area and beyond, as we'll learn more about. Um, an adventure cyclist, which I'm just now learning about, uh, and all around a really awesome comms and culture guy. Um, I'm going to pronounce this right. Uh, Uri Holub, uh, welcome and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Jürgen, thank you so much for inviting me to be over here. Yeah, no, it's great. Just really quickly on the name. So we have this issue, both of us, that uh, we have European names that start with a J that is pronounced like a Y. Is your name, is that kind of a variation off of George? Exactly. Spot on. You, you, you just totally nailed it. Yes, in English, it would be George. So what's funny is my name is too. So That's awesome. we're the same guy, really, right? What a nice coincidence. I yeah. like that. Two Georges here. Um, I'm also a big Seinfeld fan. I don't know if I really want to be like George Costanza necessarily, but um, the fact that we are, we are aligned, we're together in this Georgeness is pretty cool. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Hey, so um, one thing that I'd like to talk to you about is where Slido itself is right now, because you guys have an awesome tool that a lot of companies are using for internal comps purposes. And although you guys are still relatively small, um, you know, you're, you're growing and you're dealing with some of, the, some of the challenges that comes from that growth. Can you tell us just where you are, how it's been with this journey and kind of the, the things you're working on right now to make sure that at Slido, people are feeling really connected? Absolutely. Um, so Slido is currently um, about 150 people big uh, company and we are spread across 30 different locations. So the headquarters is over here in Europe, in Central Europe. Uh, we've got people uh, working out of Tasmania, uh, which is almost 9,000 kilometers uh, you know, away from, from the HQ. But we also have plenty of people in the States um, and in America's region in general. Um, also support the APIC region and, and, and as I said, like the majority of the team is over here in, in Europe and in the UK. So uh, we have always been, uh, you know, a remote friendly company, uh, but obviously then the March 2020 hits and things change. So we switched to, be, to being a, a remote basically first company. So we still to this date, like many other companies out there are operating on a fully remote basis. Awesome. Yeah. And you've been there since the very beginning, right? Yes, that's correct. I joined Slido seven years ago. The company is eight years ago. So I, uh, I, I joined um, quite, quite early when there were just eight of us, you know, uh, eight guys uh, sitting in, in, in one room and, and eight guys and one lady sitting in one room. And it was, you know, like 
marketing, development, sales, support, all sitting basically together, which was absolutely ridiculous because development needs, you know, uh, their space and an and, 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 and opportunity to get into their zone, whereas, you know, support, they need to communicate at all times. So, uh, you know, the classical startup story, all of us sitting in, in one room, in one garage. Yeah, can totally relate. I remember being employee seven at a company once, and you're right, everybody is around one table. And I think what happens in those situations is that you truly do feel very, very connected to the company, right? You're connected to the people that you're on this journey with. You're absolutely connected to the mission. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be there. And you're connected to your work and, and, and you're seeing how your work connects to the mission so directly. You're having an impact, you know, pretty much every single day. And as we grow, though, you know, that starts to become more tricky how, how's that been for you guys? What, what happens to that feeling of being connected um, as you've gone from those early days to now 150 people? Absolutely. Um, I, I can perfectly relate to what you said about that small team up, up to 10 people, right? Like you live and breathe every single problem, every single you know, topic that's, that you have to, and every single challenge that you have to overcome. And this basically remains truth until you hit the mark of about 30 to 40 people, right? Until this point, you are able to work in this really spontaneous and organic way and the communication basically flows um, all directions. And, but things change when you start approaching the 80, like eight employees basically mark. And that's, that was the moment when the communications like started to break for us at Slido. Right, like we couldn't get along in front of the team, you know, with just working in this really super spontaneous and organic and a little bit chaotic way. Like people started to need structure, they started to need the goals, even on the team level or sometimes even on the individual level. And we 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 started working like really strategically on the internal communications side of things. So we even you know got uh, we even created. Um, a slot for, for, for a person just to take care of the internal communications and that helped. But honestly, like on that journey from, from let's say 10 people to 150, I think that the, the, the bumpiest part of the journey was exactly between 80 to 150 because that's when we started becoming really a company and not a startup anymore. And we had to put all the, all the strategy, all the goals, all the organizational structure basically in place without killing that um, flexibility, that agility that, that, that you have as a, as, a, as a startup of 10 people. Yeah, I totally get it. So right now then, where are you at with respect to internal comms? Is there a particular strategy? Are there certain channels that you favor? Um, has a lot changed on that front this year? How are you basically approaching internal comms at Slido? Absolutely. Well, internal communications is important to us uh, to, from, from two perspectives. The first one, obviously, the one that we have just discussed, right? Like we want to make sure that the team is aligned, that the team is informed, uh, everybody's rowing the right direction, everybody's really happy. And as you, as you really hit that 100 employee mark, this is absolutely critical. Otherwise, it might cause a mess and a lot of disalignment and a lot of dissatisfaction. So this is absolutely critical for us. And we we take it super seriously. So we have a range of meetings that we host on a monthly and weekly basis in order to ensure that we communicate sufficiently. 
let me name a few monthly audience meeting. Uh, Q&A is a huge portion of that when the employees can ask the questions and the leadership team addresses every single one of those. Then we have on a monthly, on a, I'm sorry, on a weekly basis, we do have a monthly, uh, sorry, on a weekly basis, we have a Monday morning meeting when at 8.30 a.m. each Monday we meet uh, for about 10 to 15 minutes and our CEO, Peter, just goes through the highlights of the past uh, week and highlights some of the stuff that awaits us that particular week. And we also talk about the updates when it comes to the numbers. So it, help us to, it helps us to kick off the, 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 the week every single time as the entire company. And we still do that to this day. And obviously we have a lot of social, social meetings where we talk uh, you know, stuff outside of just the work to make sure that there, there remains that team cohesion uh, over there. So for us, meetings reflect our culture and we take them super seriously. So we use Slido over here at Screen Cloud, um, especially when we have all hands meetings. And uh, it's, been, it's been awesome, just a way to engage everybody to ask questions, et cetera. I know there's probably tons of different use cases, but can you tell us a little bit about how you've seen some of your clients really have success with the tool from an internal comm standpoint, perhaps some folks that are bigger than uh, little old screen cloud over here? Of course. So uh, you, you just name, named the most frequent use case for many companies, right? Which is the uh, all hands, uh, all hands meeting, and, and namely the Q and A portion. Uh, so the Q and A, all hands, and ask me anything sessions are a really popular way of how small, medium, and even gigantic uh, size uh, companies are using it. Um, Slido is really effective, or they use it to give a voice to the entire team, right? So uh, they use it to give a voice to people, uh, no matter whether they're shy or not, and just to democratize the whole communication. But exactly as you said, outside of this, there are some other use cases. And uh, we're gradually moving towards the small meetings. And we have seen actually a 200% rise uh, of Slido being used for these smaller team meetings, and especially in the remote setup uh, since, uh, since March 2020. And uh, when we talk about the, the smaller meetings, it's used very often for very often for decision making, right? So you have all these people on the call, like how do you do the voting, right? Uh, raising a hand can be really cumbersome over there, and it doesn't really capture the data. So uh, many companies use slider polls in order to collect that feedback from um, from, uh, from from the team on the calls. Another thing, very common thing, is the uh, checking the effectiveness of the training of the webinars of the, your all hands meetings. So at the end of your meeting, you run a quick poll or a survey, and then you analyze the data. And that's also what we do after every single meeting that we have. Take a look at, uh, at the general rating, but also go through every single, every single comment in there. But it's also about the change management, right? When people have a lot of questions, again, creating a transparent communication between the leadership and the team. And then finally, a really cool uh, use case uh, are so-called like a gem sessions when the companies bring people together from different functions and they get together around a certain challenge that they want to, you know, uh, uh, that they want to brainstorm some solutions to. So use again Slido to crowdsource the best ideas from people from different departments and really tap into that crowd knowledge uh, that is out there in, 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 in the company. Um, would love to hear a little bit more about some of the, some of the companies that you guys work with. Are there, a few that you could either name or just talk about loosely as far as 
exactly sure. what, what the uh, results are from, from using Slido. I know we have our results, but we'd love to hear about others too. Absolutely. So let me name just just, just a few. So uh, for instance, like a Nokia, uh, they they are uh, they 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 were using Slido like a very effectively exactly for creating a, a culture of transparency, namely for the Q and A, uh, namely namely through through the Q and A basically sessions. So again, coming back to what I said, like they use Slido to give a voice to everybody on the on the team and really crowdsource the questions anonymously. And the leaders like take it really bravely and take it one by one uh, because they want to have an open and transparent way of tackling all those questions and basically uh, comments coming from the team. Because there is nothing worse for you as a leader when you don't know what's happening over there, when you are not able to listen to the kitchen talk. Uh, so that could create really a potentially poisonous basically environment. So they use it very effectively for for this. A similar use case is a Toronto uh, Transit Commission. They also use it for the leadership Q&A where they bring the very often the field workers together with the leadership and they create a safe space for people to ask the questions and lead the lead the lead the dialogue with each other. And very often uh, an interesting an interesting use case is uh, that some companies, uh, I can name one Zillow, they use Slido for collecting questions uh, during the earnings calls. So when you have the investors on the call, right? Uh, so they, there is a space to address the questions. So it basically streamlines the whole communication. So uh, they use Slido to collect the questions uh, from, the, from, from, from the investors and then uh, address them transparently uh, as part of the earning call. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I remember years ago working for a large company and dealing a little bit with the with the earnings calls. That can be that can be a tricky. That's a, that's an awesome use case. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Sure. So you did mention the idea of anonymous questions, which is so important, right? Because there's a lot of times employees just naturally feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to want to put my name on this, but this has to be asked. And there could be tons of legitimate cases for that. Um, I am picking up too that in some cases, it's a little bit tricky for, for companies to navigate that. And I'm um, just curious what your either best practices around that might be, or just your take on it, because you guys are more qualified probably than anybody to actually have a real real take there and i'd love to hear uh, how you think companies should approach it absolutely and uh, this is a, this is a frequent question right because the anonymity is a tricky thing it can be a really liberating thing but at the same time it can uh, it can cause some harm as well um so uh yes a frequent question and there are a few things that you can actually do about it like the first of all uh, you can set a clear uh, expectations and the guidelines, right? Like if you give people the tool, with, for instance, Slido, you want to, you know, sort of give them some guidelines on how to use that. So if you are scared that people might, you know, ask offensive questions or hurtful questions, just use a simple rule of thumb and tell, tell the team, like, would you say this to someone, someone's face or post it with your name attached to this question? If the answer is no, then it's potentially a harmful or poisonous question. So try to rephrase it, even though it might be you know, a relevant question. So I would say the first step is to really clear, give people some guidelines and set the expectations. Uh, then the second thing is that sometimes, might, sometimes people might uh, phrase the questions poorly 
And the question still remains to be really valid. Um, so with Slido, you can respond back uh, and tell people like, okay, great question, but please try to rephrase this. It's currently written in, you know, offensive or aggressive way. And people actually do that. They think about it and they rephrase it and, and submit it in a much more, um, you know, um, in a friendlier way and, 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 and more constructive way. And then finally, like if you want to rely on the, on the tech side of the tool, uh, you can enable basically the moderation. So any question before it appears live, uh, you can just approve or disapprove it. But the key over here is once again, explain to the team why you didn't uh, approve that question. Again, was it offensive? Uh, was it off topic? Was it a repetitive question? So people actually do know what it, what is happening and they don't feel censored. So this would be my three tips on how to handle these, uh, these kind of a tougher questions. Those are three really specific, helpful things there. I appreciate you bringing those up. And it feels like what they all have in common is really this, this idea that if you're going to use a tool like Slido, be number one, be intentional about this, right? And actually think through how it's going to be used and have conversations about it. You know, I think that step gets missed sometimes and it's, it's easy to understand, right? You hear about this tool. Oh, have you heard of Slido? This tool is awesome. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, I, I I haven't really, but okay, let me try it. And then you fire it up and then you see some stuff and then you're, whoa, what is going on? As opposed to having really thought through it, having really talked about it. That way you can mitigate all this stuff and still harness the value of that anonymity, which is so powerful in so many other ways. Absolutely. And, and you just described the situation perfectly, especially if you are going to use it, you know, for, for the first time, like it might be new for, for both sides, for your leadership team, as well as for the team, uh, that is asking the question. So that's why exactly as you said, like the communication is really important over here or even, you know, guiding people through that uh, questions, question submission process, you know, and, and really telling them like, okay, this is all for us to have a more transparent communication. We're all adults over here. We just want to have a, a, a decent conversation that will be transparent and open and respectful uh, to everyone over here in the company. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Thanks for that. Um, so I realize you're into adventure cycling. Um, that's a new one for me. Can you tell me what that is and what it's really all about? Because it sounds pretty awesome. Sure. So to me, adventure cycling is about getting off, off the grid and getting off the grid, you know, when it comes to the technical devices and social media and work, but it's also about getting off the grid, grid you know, getting off the, uh, well-trodden paths so it means like going out there in the wilderness uh, just with a bike and with a few things that you need to survive in that wilderness and explore you know uh, the nature that of the beaten of the beaten track so to speak so uh, mountain tracks uh, you know um, remote lakes uh, beautiful creeks that's all you want to see when you, when, when you just uh, hit the road as an adventure cyclist. So it's really about cycling off the regular asphalt roads and you just go there and, and, and explore the wilderness on two wheels. No, that's, that's amazing. Do you have any, uh, any stories you can share with us? Any, any ones that, uh, any adventures that, that really stand out? Absolutely. So uh, we've been doing this with my brother for the past more or less 15 years. So uh, we've been on a 
on a 10 to 15 trips altogether, or longer ones, but two mainly stand out. The last last year we ventured into into the Iceland and we basically crossed the country from from north to south through the highlands, uh, which are completely depopulated and and there is there is nowhere to hide, no trees, nothing. It literally looks like on the moon, and you just ride your bike for hundreds and hundreds of miles through the lava fields, um, you know, through the lava sands. And it's 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 a surreal, really experience. You you feel like you feel like landing on the on, on, on the moon. And the fun fact over here is that even even Armstrong, before they truly took off for the moon mission, they actually did a training session uh, in, in in the middle of, of of the Iceland because really the the environment reminds you of the of, of the moon so much. So it was it, it really stood out. And another trip that was really memorable was, was, was two years ago when we ventured into the Pamir Mountains in Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan. That was a very remote place and, 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 and again, absolutely mind-blowing with some, some of the friendliest people uh, in the world. Uh, as you go through those super poor villages, they wave at you and invite you to their home for, for, for a tea to meet their family and themselves and they're very eager to learn about you. So that was a really heartwarming experience as well. So awesome. You know, one of the reasons why I brought that up, aside from just being naturally curious when I heard you're into that, is just when we talk about connection at work, you know, it it really is also about bringing ourselves to work, being really aware of what we each are into um, and and exposing others to that and creating connection around that too. I'm, I'm curious if if you have anything to share about you know, how that, for example, or other things like that um, are working in Slido's favor as far as, you know, people really finding ways to, to share what they're about. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the culture relative to that and maybe some things that others can pick up from that? Sure. One of the key values of Slido is we care. And to us, it's so, so important that we keep on repeating it again and again. Every single uh, offsite, uh, we just repeat it as one of our key values. In addition to don't stop and simply clever, this is one of really the, the most important values for us at Slido. And we care for uh, the team, we care for our customers, we care about the community, but coming back to the team side of, of, of the we care value, we definitely endorse people like to bring the fool themselves actually to, 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 to work. And I dare to say it's almost impossible not to in a startup like, uh, or in a small company. You are building something great. You dedicate your heart. You dedicate your everything you have very often. So, and, and, and you can see it still, whether, even, even now when we are a company of 150 people, like people put so much love and so much effort and so much sweat and, and so much tears very often to, to building that company. So I can't even imagine, uh, you know, a company or working um, in a company where I wouldn't be able to bring the whole of myself. Um, but obviously uh, that comes back also to, 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 the key, to, to the key value. Like us as a company, we should also care for the team and, and we do, uh, for instance, like we have a sabbaticals for people who are uh, longer with the company. So um, if somebody spends with the company for two, three years, four, and they, they might be really exhausted, like we give them one or two months just to, you know, sort of unwind, put their thoughts together, uh, you know, uh, recharge. 
the same goes for 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 paternity leaves. So even if, even the, the the guys who want to spend some time with their with their kids, uh, we just uh, let them go on the paternity leave while keeping the contract and try to really support the families. And obviously, the same thing goes for 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 mummies. So we keep on engaging them, uh, even though they're on a maternity leaves and they're still part of the team, and we are counting. Uh, on them once they are ready basically to come back. So uh, we, we really believe that it goes both ways, right? Like um, uh, we care um, as much uh, about the team as the, as the team cares about the company. So when it comes to connection at work, you know, it's a pretty broad thing, mm-hmm. right? You can have connection to the people you work with, your colleagues, um, the mission that the, the organization is on, the work itself, seeing how the work connects to the purpose, all that stuff. When, when we say connection at work, whether you think about it in the context of Slido or just in general, what does it really bring up for you? What is your take on connection at work? To me, connection at work is really highly about the mission. It's about what you want to accomplish as the team. And I can't imagine going through all the highs and lows of build, of building a company without having a clear mission and without having the team that, it, that, that has really bought into it. I think that that is something that really binds everybody together. And I have been personally through so many highs and lows. I, I like to say like at least twice a year. So I, would, I wanted to leave Slido 14 times already, you know, but I never did. I never did because I absolutely believe in the mission and it's normal to have doubts. It's normal to be tired. It's normal to, um, to, 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 to want to give up. But the important thing is that, that the mission, the team, that's something that brings you all together. And fundamentally, it's, it's all about whether you, you stay or you don't, right? Like doubts, having doubts is completely normal and every single one uh, on the team is basically having them. And then another, another thing that basically brings it all together is the growth. If you are growing as a company, if you are growing as a, as a, pers- as a, as a person, that is incredibly contagious. You want to be part of that. You want to be part of building something great, you know, than, than you, than the team. And it's, it, it really motivates you to, to, to work on something that, that is bigger than you. So I would say two things, really, the connection um, I mean, mainly two things when, when we're talking about connection, like the common mission that brings everybody together. And then the second thing, uh, which is like the growth, it's, it's exciting. So when it comes to those areas, um, I'm curious, back to Slido a little bit, how do you guys deal with the reinforcement communication back and forth around that? I mean, one thing that comes to mind is just channels, right? Like, How's information shared? Um, How, you know, the rituals and the the types of meetings, um, you know, all that stuff. Are you also the uh, chief meeting officer? I feel like I saw something like that. Um, But yeah, just can you tell me a little bit more about how you actually optimize for those connections around um, mission and growth to really be strengthened? If we want to really talk about the future of meetings or the future of connection, like us as a company with this mission, we have to basically live it. So that's why even the title next to my name, like a chief meeting designer, that's a huge passion of mine. I love designing effective meetings. I love designing effective presentations. So 
as a whole company, like we take it super, super seriously and try to, we don't always basically succeed, but try to take every meeting and as an oppor opportunity to explore new ways how to connect with people, how to connect with the team. So to your question, like the content is absolutely critical. It's the, it's the cornerstone of a great meeting. If you don't have a great content, um, something that the team needs to know, like you will fail. But the interaction is as important as the content itself. So when we design the meetings, we don't think only about what we are going to say, but also about what we are going to do in order to engage the team. So we think about it strategically. Okay, we are speaking here for 10 minutes straight. How can we re-engage people? How can we make that point stronger, whether it's during the all-hands meeting or during presenting the business numbers? Uh, so we take the, the meeting design really strategically and try to bind these two areas, content and interaction together, in order to create a really meaningful uh, meeting that, that, that makes sense to people. Because uh, meetings, as I said, are the reflection of your culture, but at the same time, they're an absolutely essential tool for building the company or in managing the team, and especially in the remote setup when many people work in the isolation. So meetings have become even more important for us now when we work as a remote company. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. That's great. Um, along those lines then, so meetings being one channel, if you will, right, for having this kind of um, interaction with the team. What's your approach to other, you know, more specific tech channels, mm -hmm. whether it's Slack or what have you? Is there a similar level of, you know, being intentional about what is being pushed out versus how we get participation back? How, how do you think about that? Absolutely. We are very intentional also about other uh, elements of, uh, of internal communications. And exactly as you mentioned, we are using Slack internally um, as well. And it, it's where our culture lives, right? So uh, we are very intentional over there. Uh, let me give you an example. We have, for instance, like a couple of Slack channels, dedicated Slack channels, where really our culture comes to, com, com, comes to life. So for instance, we have a, a channel that says like a thank you. So people can write a thank you notes to anybody on the team that has gone an extra mile. So again, it enforces that, that element that one of those key values that we have, like a we care. And you know, like a recognition, it's such a you know, powerful way how to boost the morale of team. Another channel that we have is obviously random. That's where, where all the random stuff is happening. And it's the most watched channel of all. Like when something happens over there, it can be a GIF. It can be a stupid picture from the weekend. Uh, it can be a meme. Uh, it can be announcement of the wedding. So that's really where the culture comes to, comes to life. And then finally, another example, for instance, we have a customer love channel where we share ni nice notes and comments and testimonials from the clients. And again, it enforces the feeling that the stuff that we are doing actually makes sense and is making the impact. So we are very intentional about the Slack. And obviously we have the channels like a general for uh, general messages uh, that go onto the whole team uh, where we post also the memos. That, that's also a very important part of our internal communications. Very often they come either from the exec team or from the CEO uh, himself. Uh, so he writes a memo on an important change, on an important strategy move and stuff like that. So that's very, we are very intentional over there. And when we are talking about written document, we also send out, um, send out the weekly newsletter uh, to, the, to the entire company. And um, 
Over there, we collect all the information that happened over the past, past, past week, the updates on the product, marketing updates, uh, general business numbers, and again, make it a bit more personal with the birthdays, uh, with welcoming newbies, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we do take internal communications um, you know, strategically, also when it comes to the other channels, like, uh, like the examples I've just mentioned. Yeah. What's interesting to me about the channels is that you know, most of those channels are effectively authoring channels, right? Like you're doing stuff in a meeting that hasn't been done or you're sharing stuff in a newsletter that might have come from something else, but it was authored there. Slack, you're, you're, you're typing something up or adding something and you end up with, you know, quite a bit of internal content. Um, how are you finding the challenge of of you know the distribution of all that content is it all consumed at an optimal level in the channel that it lives or are you guys thinking about <laughs> you're smiling right because it's it's great it's crazy how much we put into the channels right like where is it going as far as it needs to uh, and you are, Jorgen, you are asking a question as if you knew the challenges of <laughs> distributing this content. <laughs> so yes, obviously we are having a similar challenges like yourself. And that's why putting the content together is so important. That's what we basically learned. So you, we have a person dedicated to collating all, all, all the critical information together. So as I said, like we have a weekly newsletter where you can find all the recordings from the important meetings together, all the important slides, all the important product updates, all the important marketing updates, et cetera, et cetera, because it's so difficult to look for it across all the channels. So I would say, and I'm not saying that we cracked it, definitely not, but uh, creating one central place or one central document, one central newsletter where you can find all that information that has been working pretty well for us, I have to be honest. But again, we're nowhere close to, to the ideal distribution. But this weekly newsletter has been really powerful. And obviously, then individual teams such as, uh, you know, customer success, they have their own uh, versions of, of, I don't want to say a newsletter, but, you know, a, a, a comprehensive message that once again puts together all the updates. Uh, and, and it's on a, it, it, it's, it's basically sent on a, on a, on a regular basis. So regularity and also one central place like that, that proves to be working sort of okay for us. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Th those two are powerful kind of foundational elements for getting that big challenge right, right over time is that if you don't find a way to get it into one place and if you don't continuously commit to it so that it is a regular thing it becomes very very hard so awesome thanks for sharing giving us a little glimpse of what it's like on the inside there um, one other thing I wanted to ask you is really more looking ahead right so 2020 hell of a year um, what are we expecting going into 2021 when it comes to you know, really connecting with people through communication and building the kind of culture that we all know that we want to have at work, right? Like thoughts on that, whether it's predictions or just what you would like to see and what you're working towards for the future around that. Yeah. So 
I see basically two areas. One, one that is important to us sort of as a, as, as a business, and those are meetings and, and events. And over there, I believe that we are heading towards a virtual, vir virtual events and virtual meetings, and it will be highly dominated over there. There's been a lot of you know, wishful thinking of live events and live meetings coming back, but honestly, I am getting more and more skeptical. I'm not saying that face-to-face -face interactions are not important. They are absolutely essential. It's what makes us humans. But I think we're clinging too much to the past. So over there, I think we will have to find a way how to connect meaningful in the new virtual environment. And that new virtual environment creates incredible opportunities. Like uh, two weeks ago, we hosted our product event where we celebrated 1 million events milestone as a company. And we also introduced a couple of product updates. We brought together almost 1,000 people together. If we were to organize a live conference in a tier one city, we would be potentially looking at the check of $1 million because it's easy, it's easy to, to, to make it to $1,000 per participant in a tier one city, considering all the town halls and all the halls and all the logistical expenses, et cetera. And we basically were able to deliver it free of charge, which is insane. And just yesterday, there was a Zoomtopia. They were saying that 2017, they had a couple of hundred, uh, basically, uh, attendees over there. And uh, the virtual uh, Zoomtopia, they had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 50,000 people joining, which is absolutely insane. And again, consider the cost of bringing so much people together. It would be, first of all, almost impossible, and secondly, insanely expensive. So over there, um, I, I think that, that the meetings and events will keep on being virtual. When it comes to the, to, 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 to the work, uh, that's the second, uh, basically, segment I wanted to touch on, I'm not that much convinced about uh, remote-only setup. I think it will be the reality from the midterm, obviously, like the next year and potentially the year, the year afterwards. But working only remotely and solely remotely, we are just going to give up on so much, honestly. Like all those ideas that you share in the, in the kitchen, um, all those, you know, uh, brainstorming sessions that just happen randomly, um, you know, the projects that move just because you bumped into a colleague, um, all the innovation that will be sort of, you know, um, postponed or even just faltered just because people are not sitting together, all that learning that is very often implicit uh, will be basically lost. So I think that, that definitely 2021 will be about the remote work uh, and potentially 2022, but I'm not really sure how it will look in, in, in the long term. I think that we will have to come, come back to a certain like a physical setup, whether on a regular or irregular basis. That's a very interesting perspective. And I think a lot of people will, uh, will have to agree with a lot of that. So thanks for sharing. Um, you're right, this has been really enjoyable. You know, a fellow European marketing-minded startup guy, uh, a fellow George, if you will, this is great. Um, I did wanna give you an opportunity to just share any final thoughts around um, Slido and how Slido will, will, will thrive going into the future here, because your growth has been pretty phenomenal, right? And so what's the... Um, What's the biggest hopes and dreams and really the, the vision there as you look towards the future? Slido has just celebrated a 1 million event basically milestone. And you might say like, okay, wow, that's, that, that, that's something. But we take it like in a very humble way. This is one of the checkpoints for us on our, on our journey. 
And our, our mission basically remains the same uh, from our very, very, very early days. And it's to really enable a meaningful dialogue between speakers and the audience. And this is something what we want to do in the future as well. The setting might change. We might work more in a remote setup. Uh, it might be less about the conferences. It might be more about the team meetings and the virtual presentations and webinars. But we stay true basically to our, our mission to enable the great dialogue between the speakers, between the team leaders and the team, between the speakers and the audiences, between the teachers and the students. And we want to keep on helping people run amazing meetings and, 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 and really get get the most out of the presentations and, and, and lectures that they are hosting with, uh, with the help of Slido. And if we are able to put uh, some kind of a number along the way, it's, as I said, just a signpost, something to look forward to, but uh, we would love to uh, keep on helping people run uh, better meetings and better presentations now and, and in the future. Oh, that's great. Got to love that. Hey, you've been uh, really generous, not only with your time, but your energy and insights. It's been great. I uh, really appreciate this conversation. Thanks for joining us here on uh, Reboot. And uh, yeah, really appreciate this. Jürgen, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoy this chat. All right. Good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.